Hello, everyone, and we are here with the Founder Series Episode 2, where in the Founder Series, I basically interview founders about their successes, their failures, their products, their platforms, and whatever they are working on currently right now. I'm excited today because I have the Ben Smith on the show. Uh, he brings a wealth of experience from startups, the tech community, media. Um, he's a successful founder, an angel investor. Uh, and he's a lover of the LA tech community as well. And he's probably, I guess how I discovered him was the Voice Entrepreneur podcast um, and Flash Briefing as well, uh, which has been incredibly successful. Um, it's actually, I think at the top of the business finance category or was, um, which is crazy on Alexa. Um, so Ben, it is so great to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much, Seth. It's great to be here, and I love what you're doing. So, so very happy to be here today. So, real quick before we get started, um, just like every other episode, uh, the one I did before with Elijah Murray. If you guys have any questions at all, be sure to leave them in the live chat, and we'll get to those um, as soon as possible. Or if you have questions afterwards, just put those in the comments below, and I'll be sure to get to those. And Ben might be looking as well. Um, so, before we get into what you're actually working on right now, Ben, I kind of like to start with. I guess what I like to call the origin story. Um, I think every founder, every entrepreneur has an interesting backstory. And I'm always curious to see where people started. So I guess my first started to get into entrepreneurship. Was it uh, when you were a kid or teen? Kind of kind of get into that. Yeah, you know, uh, for me, I think that uh, I really, if I could communicate a story to, to your audience, it's that, uh, you know, look, I didn't have everything figured out for a long time. In my life, I always fashioned myself as a Jack Kerouac type, an adventurer, someone who could try a lot of different things. So early in my life, uh, I graduated from college. Uh, I did a lot of time on the road. I traveled to Asia. I just experimented and I lived life. And I feel like uh, it prepared me for down the road. I learned how to communicate to people. I learned what people care about. I learned how to motivate people. I did a lot of theater early in my life which I think is really helpful today in a business context. And then it was right around, I don't know, age 27 when I somehow talked my way into a job at Google back when it was under a thousand employees. Uh, I had been bumming around Asia. I, I've done, you know, I was always pretty entrepreneurial. I had uh, created a media company in Singapore and Hong Kong. Uh, wow. But that was more just to have some fun. We did commercials. We, we made commercials for British Airways and HBO. But it was really just an excuse to have a great time. And I had a friend uh, very early on at Google. He said, Ben, try to be P. Diddy in Asia later. Like, get into this company right now. And I remember looking uh, at Google. And at the time, no one knew what this company really was. And I said, my God, I think this thing is going to be really big. So I took a chance. Um, I really was the egotistical one and said, wow, they would be lucky to have me instead of me being lucky to be with them. And Sheryl Sandberg was one of my first bosses. And I just learned how to talk talk my way into, into a job in Silicon Valley. And then you know, from there, I realized I was just sitting on the verge of something really, really big. So uh, that's when I started to use and learn and use my skills start to build stuff and start to participate in this global conversation we're having as entrepreneurs. Anything is possible right now. It's If you have ideas, you can go so far today. Uh, and so it's just about having those ideas and then just doing a little bit of work to execute. That's so awesome. Uh, th thanks for that. Um, I had a little more questions. I actually want to talk about Google a little bit. Um, yeah. What was the culture like uh, in those early days? What are we talking about? Like 2000... Four, six. Yeah, I started. I started in uh, in two thousand three. Okay. And look, I think it was a fantastic time because uh, you know at, at that point, this was a long time ago, but uh, we were coming out of the dot bomb era. No one knew how the internet was going to make money still, and there was a lot of pessimism. And what I loved about Google in, in the early days was there was so much optimism on what was possible, and they got together a group of fans. I was lucky to be there. I was overachieving from day one to be there. I didn't go to Stanford. I didn't go to an Ivy League school. But there was a group of fantastic people that 
just created very, very high objectives and goals. And they said, we can do anything we set our mind to, so let's go out there and do it. And they just really taught me how to set goals for myself and then how to achieve those goals. And that's what I'm really left with from those, from those years at Google. That's really cool. I, because uh, I mean, like, not a lot of people have that that early insight into these huge companies. Um, so it's really interesting to hear that perspective. So you seem to have a really strong media presence, and you kind of talked about that a little bit. How you started a company in, in Singapore that was that was decently successful. Um, when did that that media passion start for you? Was that even before college? Um, and that's something that you've always wanted to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I used to tell I used to tell girls in college to to try to get dates that <laughs> that uh, I I was studying uh, I I studied political science and I studied theater and I was very very interested in how power worked on both a global scale and on a personal level on a personal scale and I thought that a liberal arts education gave me the best foundation for being an entrepreneur possible. I always knew that I was entrepreneurial. I always started stuff. I always created stuff. I believe in creating mm -hmm. because when you're creating, you're giving and giving is, is the key to life. Giving is happiness. And what I'm so happy about in this social media universe, social media is simply just that everybody is participating in creating content. And that is an act of giving and giving is what fuels life. And it's what makes people happy. So as we've had this incredible generation, of social media, I just knew I needed to attach myself to these giant trends and ride them. And as long as you put out some effort, as long as you just do the few things in front of you, you're going to have phenomenal success. Just like what you're doing right now, it's it. You're going to Seth. You're going to be so successful because you're, you're just doing the little things right now. It's not it, you, and you're being yourself, and that's mm -hmm. the most important thing. So. There was a couple things there and it kind of got me interested with, because you were early in, at YouTube as well. And you kind of spoke about sharing and human behavior and like what that looks like just to give. Um, so when did you join YouTube? Was that like before the, I guess it would have to be after the Yeah. So, so, like, so what happened, what happened was uh, in 2005, Google looked around and they said, who do we, who do we have that knows video? And it was a small group of us. And because I had followed my interests and went to Asia and created uh, some commercials for HBO and British Airways and these companies, and I followed my passion, Google was like, well, Ben knows video. So, so video's happening on the web in 2005, all because I had some fun and was, was living my life. I had the experience and I brought that experience to Google to create video. So I was part of the original Google video team. Within a few months, we acquired YouTube, and so I moved over to the YouTube team. There were only about 20 people there when we acquired them, and I was one of the first handful of business people. I'd say, I don't know, maybe there were five or 10 of us, and I was focused on how was YouTube ever going to make money, and at the time, that seemed crazy. People were like, how is YouTube ever going to make money? And so I did the first ever product placement deal ever on YouTube. Uh, I did a lot of the early political work, I signed the US government onto a social media uh, contract for the first time ever. Uh, we did all sorts of incredible things, all because it was brand new and anything was possible. So in 2000, I'd say late 2008, Google moved me down to LA and I opened up YouTube in Los Angeles for the first time. And I was pretty entrepreneurial. I knew that it was a great place to be. I had a sense that online video, the home for online video, was going to be Los Angeles. So I was down here and I said, my God, the sky's the limit. So that's when I left Google and YouTube in 2010 or so and decided to start building my own companies, my own media. And all of this stuff is just converging and is continuing to converge. So I just, I try to be the glue. I try to be right in the middle. And I think it's just a great place to be. What would you say is the one of the top like human behaviors that you think you've learned from like being at YouTube in those early days? Like what what do you think you discovered about human behavior and like what people were posting and um cuz that was such a new sphere and like you talked a little bit in um one of your 
uh, flash briefings how you were surprised and the team was surprised about what people were actually posting on YouTube um, in those early days. So like, what's something that you've taken away from that community? Yeah, there are a couple of things. I, I would say, first of all, you know, when, when YouTube won the online video space, there were something like 30 different online video companies, but YouTube was the only one to truly understand that it was more about people than about technology and about connecting people. And so they even put the word you in the in YouTube. Like it's it's about people. It's not about technology. It's not about how fast your video works. And that was a new idea back then. And then we saw over and over again at YouTube, we never realized people were were uploading their video game footage to YouTube. And we said, how do we stop people from doing this? This is a terrible experience. Why would people watch video games online? And we had no idea what it would become. And what we didn't understand is that every single technology platform is always about people connecting to other people. So when we started looking and why I'm so interested in all of this voice technology is it's the same thing and people are going to make the same mistakes. They always think it's about big brother uh, Lexi or it's big brother Google Home or Siri and they're listening to us. Now it, it's a little bit about that, but not really. What it's really about is people connecting. So I'm so bullish on people connecting in new ways on these voice platforms. It's going to get exciting. So after you left YouTube, uh, you stayed in LA, correct? I did. I'm, I'm still here in Los Angeles today. So what do you like about the, the LA tech community? Because I hear like, I hear so many people talking about it. Like some people are like moving away, but then other people are so drawn to the community that's still there. So like, how do you think it's changed um, just for people that are considering moving out there and starting something? And like, how, how do you think it's still really strong as well? Yeah, look, I'm very long on LA. Uh, there's a bunch of fantastic things going for Los Angeles. First of all, it is where professional content is created. And we are in the beginning stages of a massive change. And that is all of the professional content companies here in Los Angeles, the Disney's of the world are ceding control of, of content to the Netflix's of the world, to the Google's and the Apple's. They're the, these are technology companies are now in the content business. And so that's a very good thing for Los Angeles. We have new money coming in billions of dollars. Literally Apple has billions of dollars to spend on the creation of content. So we see this convergence of technology and, co and content and that's happening here in Los Angeles. That's one. Two, we have more engineers here in the city than almost any other city in the United States. We have so many terrific uh, universities here. Um, three, this is really the home of a lot of creative pursuits, fashion. Um, you have so many people doing creative stuff here. And we're also closer to Asia. We're closer to China. We're closer to Japan. And that means that we have all sorts of things going on. We have shipping. It's, it's a terrific place to be. It's, I would say LA is so underrated. People still think about freeways. They still think about uh, the old days of LA and smog. It's, it's a different city. It's, it is a creative city. And right now, all of the things that are in demand, ideas, uh, knowledge, generating cool stuff, that's happening here in Los Angeles. It's, it's the best place in the world to be. It's almost like what I'm hearing is like LA or cities similar to LA almost act as an incubator themselves for companies and ideas just because of the culture and the availability of like resources. When I'm talking about resources, I'm talking about like humans, you know, and ideas and those type of things. So I think that's really interesting. Like um, maybe that kind of speaks into like who you surround yourself with and how that kind of impacts uh, the businesses that you're building and uh, what you actually end up doing. Yeah, no doubt about it. There is a, um, I, I always try to surround myself with people that are slightly further ahead than me. People that are just a little, like, like if you go to the gym and you work out with people and you see someone that's just a little bit ahead of you, like that's, that's where you want to be with everybody in life. Mm -hmm. And so I just keep learning from people. I am, if, if I can brag about myself, I'm obsessed with learning. All I do is learn. Even if I get three minutes and my wife is over there and my kids are over here and something's going on, I'm like, oh, maybe I can read this for 45 seconds. Maybe I can get one piece of information that can help my life or help my work or help me think about stuff. I'm, I'm just doing that, even if it's a 45 second block. Yeah.
that's really good i i man like it's taken me a while to like kind of start to grasp onto those concepts and i think that that's where i've seen the most growth myself is when i've started to surround myself with those people and kind of uh, I was talking with um, this past interview with Elijah Murray about like we we're talking about putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations, you know, like um, and how that kind of progresses you, you forward as well. So I think that's that's really interesting. Um, so after leaving YouTube, I, is there a little bit of a gap between this and actually getting into the the voice space? What, what were you kind of doing in, in between that time period? Sure, sure, great question. So. I actually helped get my friend George Strompolos uh, was starting a company called Fullscreen. Uh, I helped him get that company off the ground for a short period of time. And it, it, was, it was fantastic. Again, being around just people that are slightly better than you. I learned so much from George, even though we're just, we're really good friends and we worked together at YouTube for many years. It's like, I learned just being next to him for a few months, uh, which is fantastic. Fullscreen went on to become uh, nearly a billion dollar company. Uh, George is extremely successful and uh, I started my own. So I started at the time, the first pure YouTube analytics company in the space. I, it was called Blaze. I was venture backed. I raised money. I went through the hustle. I, I know the whole deal and uh, sold that company in 2014 uh, to a company called Vobel. Vobel is now a public company on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Wow. So we had a really successful exit and over the last couple of years, I've built my own consulting company uh, where I also do some advising, some investing. I incubate stuff. I work with a number of the investors that I've worked with in the past, including uh, the Marker Capital folks to incubate companies. And then voice happened. And voice is so exciting. This is, to me, this represents the next 10 years of the way the internet is moving, the web is moving. Uh, we don't, it's, you know what? It is so much faster to talk than it is to type for the vast majority of people. Any sort of time efficiency like that means a, it's a huge deal. And the way that we see podcasts happening, we're just in a monumental shift in the way that we process information. So I'm now in the middle of it. I have Voice Entrepreneur going, this daily podcast. I have the Voice uh, Facebook group. Hello to all my Facebook group people. Um, I, you know what? We're just in an amazing moment. So. I always tell people, I'm like, this is the best moment in the history of mankind. Like, it, it's time to jump in and just get, just get dirty and playing with stuff. I'm a huge believer in the voice space, and when I was kind of starting to really get into it, um, that's where I actually found you on Twitter and discovered your flash briefing, and that's where I've started to kind of get to know you and your content um, and your strategy for how you're deploying that as well. So one of my questions was, there was a video that came out, oh man, I, I want to say maybe four months ago, it says something along the lines of, is, is voice the interface of the future? Um, and a lot of like what we talk about in the voice space is like hashtag voice first and other things like that. But I don't know if you've seen that video um, or heard conversations around that, but what are your thoughts on uh, voice being the interface or a interface, I think is kind of the discussion of the, of the future, I guess, of how we interact with data and interact with content. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great question. It's so relevant. I think that in general, you want to do whatever speeds things up the most, whatever's most efficient in your day. And the fact is most stuff can go to voice easily. Think about it. If you're using Google Analytics and you want to know, okay, how many, how many visits did this podcast get yesterday? Okay. How many times did people go to my website over the last month? That's simply just asking, your, asking through a voice interface. That is a million times faster than going through these complex you know, dashboards to try to find information. Imagine using voice with Microsoft Excel. The average person doesn't know how to use a sum function in Excel. Yeah. Now imagine that like doing pivot tables, all sorts of stuff with voice. So for the vast majority, I see voice just being the, the way to do stuff. Obviously, you're still going to want a keyboard when you're thinking, you're creating, uh, just like we still have desktop computers, just like we have old, you know, old technology. It's still going to be there, but voice just speeds everything up. I love the idea that I'm going to have my voice assistant in the car with me. It's going to be next to me in my, you know, whether I'm sleeping, 
Um, I really thought that the uh, the AirPods. I I'm just I can't believe. I'm not even sure Apple realized that AirPods are the first true wearable. And that it to me, that's the gateway drug to the all of its voice interface is the yeah. AirPods. The AirPods are just I mean, the number one product I've seen in the last two or three or four years. I would spend a thousand dollars on AirPods, and they and they said, so, "I'm serious." I people are like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I would live. I can't live without those things. Yeah, yeah. I, it would be man. It'd be super interesting. Now I'm just thinking about it right now. If like they implemented siri into airpods somehow they're they're in there siri's in airpod right now is it really yes you should go I, try it try it it's amazing I, i'm rocking i'm rocking an android uh sometimes right. i i wish i was on the apple ecosystem well here's the deal siri sucks we all know siri sucks yeah. Siri's going to get at better. least right now siri's going to get better but it's amazing to have a siri experience in airpods mm -hmm. i i will tell you that right now and so whatever you, the airpod is for android it's going to be just as good if not better Okay. And we know that. I know there was um, kind of speaking, you, you spoke a little about cars and everything. I know there was a little bit of something circulating around um, about this beta test for this, basically this device that would go inside your car that was in a, a Lexi device, basically. Um, and it would have data built into it um, and you'd be able to use that. But Amazon kind of uh, shut it down. So I don't know if they're working on it but I could see them definitely pushing that forward in the future. Yeah, we've seen nothing yet. Like, let's be very clear. We are going to look back at these Lexi devices as, as just, they're going to look like Palm Pilots. They're, they're ancient. We know that every company, including Facebook, we know Spotify, everyone's coming out with these devices. They're going to do incredible stuff. Uh, you know, I, I do do some angel investing. I hear about incredible AI companies that, um, I, I'm hearing about companies that can follow you around and take video footage of you from all angles and identify which rooms you're in, shoot the whole thing, put it up for you. Like we're we are at the tip of the iceberg with what this te technology can do. So um, I know it sounds crazy, but they're really I, I really don't think we're going to be holding on to a phone for I don't know I, I see for at least another five six years, but. In 10 years, I'm not sure our kids are really going to be having phones in their pocket, put it that way. I noticed uh, as soon as Google Assistant came out with the ability to type um, instead of in type commands in your phone, that like instantly solved the issue of like not wanting to use voice. Let's say you're in a crowded space or public space. Um, so whenever I want to set a calendar, like invite or something, I just do it via uh, text. I just literally text it to Google Assistant. And it does it. If I if I'm not in a public space, I always use voice because it's so fast, so convenient, and I frankly haven't had that many problems with accuracy rate um, once it's kind of tuned to my voice over time. So I see that like being such a big time saver, especially on the small little details here and there. But I could see it exploding into other areas as well. Yeah, I predict we're we'll have a news story sometime in the next twelve months. Let's say well maybe eighteen months where. Somebody basically, people can start to do their day with an Apple Watch and one AirPod. Because I tried wearing just one AirPod 24 hours a day. I told you, I'm sort of a weird guy. I'm a little bit of a curious guy. So I was just trying to rock one AirPod for Siri and then maybe just wear a watch. I think that's going like that could replace the cell phone even faster than we imagine. Mm -hmm. That's that's a crazy to think about. What's your opinion on? If this is even a possible, because I, I know it's disrupting so many industries, but like, what do you think is the number one area that voice is disrupting or changing right now? Um, disrupting or changing? Um, I think for for the most part, it's the idea of, of content creation. So we like, and this is going to be a little bit macro, but. Over the last 10 years, we've seen this massive flight to video. And Google estimates by the year 2020, 90% of consumed content will be audio or video. Nobody reads anymore. And why voice is so amazing is it's so easy to create content. It's the reason why I can create a daily podcast and you can do what you're doing, mm -hmm. is that it is so much faster to create audio. The audio can then be changed into text. And now that the technology is there, like 10 years ago, we couldn't transcribe 
you know, worth it with a darn, like it was terrible, but now the transcription is really good. So guess what? All of the podcasts that I'm doing every day get transcribed. I'm going to start posting those as medium articles. They're going to start going on as articles on my website. And so there's a waterfall effect for content creation. I think the same thing is actually happening with video and live streaming, like what we're doing right now, because we can cut this, we can turn it into short video and so forth. So I just think that it creates these massive efficiencies and that cuts out entire industries. There's all sorts of people that have transcription businesses. There's all sorts of people that medium themselves have to get into the audio game. All of these companies have to start thinking about audio and live streaming. I'm very bullish on both. When did you officially start your voice entrepreneur podcast and the Lexi briefing? Yeah, I started 92 days ago. I don't know what day that is, but I, I know today was episode 92. I remember it because it was just around the time that I was starting to kind of get interested in the voice space. And I just like came across your stuff on, on Twitter. Um, besides being very bullish on voice, what's your, um, how did you first get involved in the voice space, like discovery wise? Um, yeah, I, I guess that's my, I guess that's my question. how did you first get involved in the voice space? Look, I, I mean, I think that for me, I just jumped in. I would, I would just urge anybody, if you're curious about stuff, if you want to learn about stuff, the best way is just to participate. And I'm at a point in my life, I'm, I'm old, I'm 42 years old. I'm like, I, 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 like I'm sick of waiting. I'm sick of, of sitting there and letting other people do stuff. I want to be part of the conversation. If you're curious, just go try it. Like, I, I was always shy. I was always sort of, and I, people like you were shy. I'm like, yeah, man, I was really shy. Um, I am introverted at heart, just like everybody else. And I would just encourage you to go out there. You're not going to look like I had to get over the fear of looking stupid. And once you get over the fear that people are going to judge you, like anything is possible. So for me, I just jumped into voice. I was like, look, I'm passionate about this. I feel like I have a lot of stuff to offer. I called my daily podcast Voice Entrepreneur because I'm not trying to talk about every tiny detail of how to build voice skills. I don't, I'm not a developer. I'm not programming. I am, I'm interested in the technology and how it's marketed, how it's sold. I'm, I'm, I am a business guy. I, that's what I do. So I can talk about that very, very intelligently. I can talk about how we market, how we sell but I'm not going to talk about tiny details. So I don't pretend to talk about that. That's what's important, right? Like I go to the storyline community if I want to talk about tiny details about building voice skills and they're, they're great for that. Like I, and I love them. I'm all for them, but that's not me. Yeah. Now that I know who I am, voice entrepreneur is all about people that want to market. They want to entrepreneur, they want to sell and they want to use this technology to sell and make, make things happen. And you've grown such a large community in such a short time as well. I mean, it's crazy to look at. You're at how many? Um, how many people are part of the Facebook group now? It's six hundred, maybe. Did you pass yeah. that mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're over six hundred people today. Look, I really believe. Like my secret, people ask me, like, okay, how did you grow an audience very, very quickly? And my secret is, I literally talk to people one by one, and it's it can cause some people to go crazy. But I'm literally emailing people every single day. And I'm like, hey, will you check this out? Do you want to join my community? Let me tell you about it. Let me see if I can help you with your problem. I'm solving, I don't know, 15 different people's problems right now over email and giving them advice and answering questions and getting questions. And I, I'm just in the middle of a lot of stuff. So the more you immerse yourself in people's lives and actually talk to people, like, like don't fake talk to people like actually talk to people like yeah. like people say i feel so lonely on the internet well of course you feel lonely on the internet you're just scrolling down a feed and looking at other people's stuff that will make you feel lonely but if you go out there and you actually have conversations with strangers and you email back and forth and you start having chats and you start doing messages and you talk you and i are talking today that's how you create a community and it, i i just feel like people have responded i also have been very very adamant this is about a team. This is about us learning. Like, I just happen to be the guy that that was like, okay, let's create a group about it. But that that's all it is. I 
I follow Gary Vee quite a bit and he kind of talks about that concept as well. He calls it like scaling the unscalable and the unscalable things is like trying to talk to everyone individually. And most people would look at and say, it doesn't play itself out. There's no way you have enough time to do that. But from what, from my experience and seeing other people implement that doing unscalable things plays itself out. You know, when you show that you actually care um, and that you're invested in people, people are attracted to that, you know, because there's so many people that are trying to be influencers in a space, but they they do so selfishly, selfishly. And when you come forward and you're putting out content for free because you want to build a community and you want to learn, I think people are attracted to that. Put it put it this way. I believe that doing unscalable stuff is the only thing you should be doing. And that is because if it's scalable, that means someone has already done it and someone has figured it out. You don't want to do that. Yeah. All the opportunity is where there are things that are unscalable. So if you, and, and I believe that Y Combinator believes this as well, like the number one, you know, startup uh, incubator alive or accelerator alive. And that is do stuff that doesn't scale because you will learn where the opportunity is. It will eventually scale. Mm-hmm. I promise you, just like voice entrepreneur is growing very, very quickly. And I'm sure at a certain point it will hit scale. But for now, it's all about doing stuff that doesn't scale. Right now, I'm like, I'm helping this guy get a job right now. And I love it. Like that, to me, that's the most important thing I can be doing. He emailed me a couple of days ago. He's like, I'm listening to Voice Entrepreneur. I lost my job. I have a baby. How do I get a job? I'm like, that's crazy. Dude, you're the guy I want to talk to. Let's go. Let's figure this out. And so we're now, I have three guys from the Voice Entrepreneur community. We're building a shared Google spreadsheet. It's going to be live. We're all going to start putting interesting um, jobs on there. We're going to start putting people. We're going to start matching categories and skills. I I woke up this morning not even thinking about that, and yeah. now we're doing that. You know that that's what's possible. That's so that's so amazing, and I think it speaks volumes into the community that you're trying to build. Um, and I've seen how just your content has changed and grown um, in the topics that you're covering. I know this past week, you've been talking a lot about entrepreneurship um, and different topics within that as well that I found extremely interesting. So I'm curious to see like what your vision is for your community. Do you have um, an outline for where you want to take it? Or are you kind of just taking it day by day, week by week? What's your vision for uh, Voice Entrepreneur? Yeah, thank you. thanks for the question. I think that uh, to me... What I would like to see is a community that helps each other and helps in two ways, in voice and in entrepreneuring. Like there is a very deliberate reason why I called it voice entrepreneur, because I wanted it to be very narrow and I wanted it to be very broad. And so the narrow part is like, look, there's a small group of us right now that are into voice technology and voice entrepreneuring. And so I want to serve that community. But on a big scale, I want to talk about voice technology on a big scale. I want to talk about entrepreneuring and the art of entrepreneuring on a big scale. So for me, I would love in a year or two, if we're like, look how many incredible people we've mentored, we've grown, we've helped them become better entrepreneurs, and they've all used this emerging technology of voice to help grow their platform. That's what I'm doing. And I I just, I love it. I know it's just the best thing ever. So my audience has is like a lot of developers, um, say technical people. Um, some of the audience isn't either, but but I think a lot of the core audience is pretty technical and they're developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them have talked about the voice development space. I actually created a few videos in a series, um, kind of jumping into some very basic skills. What do you think, what is your biggest piece of advice for someone that is creating a new skill right now? I know that's kind of a broad question, but um, you know, I want to do a skill that does X. What do you think is like going to be the actual um, mm-hmm. skills that actually are big um, a year from now? Yeah, I love this question. The real answer here is I always preach audience first, product second. Go out there and figure out if there's an audience right now. And that actually comes first. 
in 2018, it's not a lot. You're not allowed to spend a lot of time building something that you don't know if people will love. We know you love it. Yeah. Cause you're building it, but you don't know if anyone else loves it. And so the first step, the, and it's so important, just go out there and start talking to people before you build, before you spend money, before you borrow money, before you take money from your friends, before you spend, I don't know, eight hours a day for six weeks, go talk to people. It's not that hard. And you can do this in a number of ways. One, you can start asking your friends. Two, you can go onto Facebook, do Facebook ads. I, I told people on my podcast the other day, I personally use Microsoft Bing ads yeah. all of the time. Everyone was like, what? Microsoft that, Bing? And like, I heard that and I was like, whoa. And But then I went on their site and I saw like some of the promotions they're running. I'm like, dang, this is cheap. It's so cheap. And I spent like $3 and I really quickly see if there's an audience. Yeah. And I mean, where else can you do that? Like, I really don't know where else you can spend like $3. I, I'm not sure. You, you can't even buy lunch these days for, I mean, here in California for like maybe nine or $10 these days at least. Yeah. I, I mean, it's crazy. So um, look, to, to answer your question, find places where there's audience. Like if we were going to develop a world cup skill i would go find world cup audiences online start talking to them you can find them on linkedin you can find them like if you want to talk to people that work for fifa like go contact some people in fifa like it's it's really not hard and they will respond to you it's i mean that's what the internet is for that's what i've been saying i'm having hundreds of these conversations see if they'll use it once you see if they'll use it see if they'll give you money Mm -hmm. And you'll find that it's a huge leap, especially in 2018 in terms of attention. But if you can get someone's attention, you keep working on the idea, you keep changing the idea, eventually someone's going to be like, you know what? I love this idea. I'm going to use it. And if I would actually give you money for it. Mm -hmm. And that's when you know you're at a place where you can build something good. So I, I just urge people, don't waste time. Go talk to people first. We're all salespeople. Like voice entrepreneur, we are salespeople. Like you can't get away from it. Like sales is a bad word for some reason. Yeah. But all we do is sell like humans. We sell. Selling is giving. And uh, that kind of plays into like the whole thing that I'm a big believer of when I first heard this and I really latched onto it is that time is everyone's most viable asset. You know, um, if it wasn't 10 years ago, it definitely is now. That's why everyone's actions are just mapping to time saving things like voice. So I think that like when I'm answering questions around that, it's like, you know, what's honestly going to be saving people time in the long run, you know? And that's why I think a lot of people are drawn to the voice space. What do you think are going to be the killer? Like if I can even say this without like, <laughs> what's going to be the killer app for voice? You know, I like, I, I have we seen it yet? I don't know if we've seen it yet. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't think we definitely haven't seen it yet. Um, social media? What do you think it's going to be? You know, I, I think that for the immediate term, it's going to start being about saving a lot of time. Like I talked about, imagine using voice with Microsoft Word or Marcus, like imagine with PowerPoint that you can just sort of talk. You, you can be like, okay, I want one picture of a gorilla. I want another picture of a taxi cab. I want another picture of a chair and a hat. And PowerPoint is just going to make that for you. And I just said that in three seconds, right? Like, I, I think we're going to see things like that just happen over and over again to the point where we're like, wow, this technology is just incredible. And it's then that I think we're going to hit more of the social media consumer sort of stuff. Um, I think that it's very clear to me that podcasts are winning. I think that we're going to see long-term short, frequent interactions with influencers via audio. So I, when I created Voice Entre Entrepreneur, what I really wanted to do was just be a friend that you listen to over the Lexi device. And maybe you talk to me seven or eight times a day. That's what I was going after. What I found out was it's just much too early for that. And so it needs to be more like a pod, a daily podcast style show or flash briefing. Mm -hmm. But I really think the future is going to be like, you're listening to like, who do you listen to? Tim Ferriss or Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah. Like, yeah. That type of thing. Yeah, you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk and it's like you're listening to Gary seven times a day on your Lexi device. Yeah. And like when you get in the car, you're like, what's up with Gary? 
And Gary's like, oh, let me tell you what I'm doing right now. Right? I, I think that's where we're going. I, I'm still waiting for, because I've heard little, so I'm, I've started to become active on indie hackers and I've heard one where you're talking about almost like a Twitter for voice. I'm kind of waiting for that. Uh, I'm interested to see how something like that would play itself out. I've seen a couple startups start to kind of pop up in the idea, trying to figure out if people would actually want it stage. Um, but I think that's incredibly interesting. So I thought that's interesting that you mentioned, you know, like having an influencer starting with that and eventually day-to-day people that just jump on and give an update about their life via voice and other people interact with that. I think that's interesting. I think that Google, Google released their Google podcast app yesterday. Okay. I think Google, I think that this space has finally caught the attention of Google in a serious way. And I know internally, and like I said, I have friends there and stuff like that. I think that they're seriously starting to look at how do you cut up podcasts? How do you search podcasts so that you get tiny snippets? You get a sentence here, a piece of data there. And I think that lead it sort of turns into what you're describing, mm-hmm. which is, okay, now we can cut out a sentence very easily from a Gary Vaynerchuk, and he can repost that across his sites. And now all of a sudden you have tiny audio snippets. Then it will be a matter of time before an aggregator figures out how to display them, so to speak, um, in, in, in a great way. And so yeah. that's that's where I think it's going. And I actually really am bullish on Google figuring that out okay. pretty soon. Yeah. So which platform would you say that you're most bullish on right now? Um Right now, I guess I'm I'm very bullish on on for now Google and Apple. Um, I'm less bullish on Amazon right now. I think that Amazon, I'm not quite sure how why they're doing some things they're doing. I think that Amazon has this incredible monetization engine because they sell so many products, and I don't understand why they're not moving faster with product discovery and monetization with Lexi skills. Um, but I'm very, very bullish on Google and Apple. I mean, I think that Apple has it can go the furthest, actually, mm-hmm. in some sense. I think Siri is the worst right now. But with the hardware and, like I said, with the AirPods and the watch, I, I think this guy's the limit right now. So uh, real quick to jump in the comments, uh, Jake Stanley uh, basically said, agreed on the AirPods comment when you're talking about the AirPods um, and the Siri integration and whatnot. ThinkShare asked, uh, have you guys heard about um, Anchor? which I, I mean, I've heard about it. You've probably definitely heard about it. What's your thoughts on like Anchor and some of these um, other podcast platforms? I know you've mentioned like Peppa in the past. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that Anchor, Anchor is really interesting. I think that they're in the pole position right now for figuring out how to make these types of social platforms actually work. I think that I think when they first came out, like that, they very clearly wanted to do that. And now I think they're taking a longer term view and a longer term position there. And I think they're doing it the right way. Like I've noticed they're getting traction. They're getting people using their platform. They didn't used to have that. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that it's um, out of everybody. And they also have uh, tier A investors and people behind them that understand the space very well. So I, yeah, I, I, I do like Anchor. So with if someone's looking to um, – actually, real quick, uh, he replied to it um, – he said, I have not been growing much with Anchor. Any recommendations for growing my Anchor channel? I think that could be applied to uh, the voice space as well, like trying to grow anything like your content. Yeah. Look, I mean, my advice is, my, my overall advice is you can either be the best or you can be the cheapest on the internet. And unfortunately, Amazon and Walmart are the cheapest. So that leaves the best. So you need to be the best in the world at something. So for most people, that means that you need to niche down. You need to be, if, if you can focus on one tiny, narrow, little part of the world, you can become the best at it. And that's how you get people to listen. So I'm trying to be the best in the world at how to market an entrepreneur using voice technology. It's still, even that's a little bit broad. But I'm going for it, right? Yeah. I'm a little bit older. I have I have some background, but I'm like I'm going for it. Um, but at the time when I created Voice Entrepreneur, which was only a few short months ago, there I didn't I couldn't find one single person talking the way I was talking. Yeah. So so my advice, if you're doing Anchor, which is great, do Anchor, but find find a tiny little space where you just become the go-to person. Like like I want to learn from you. 
Yeah. And by the way, I do want to learn from you. So tell me what you're talking about because uh, I, I will follow you immediately on Anchor. And, and I mean, your name is Think Share. So I'm automatically like thinking like, okay, what does that actually mean? Like if you post in a comment, I would go check out your channel. So um, if you're putting content on like a YouTube or anything like that, I mean, just the name Think Share, I don't know if that even applies to your Anchor channel or anything, but like I'm already interested. So yeah, I, I would definitely agree with Ben. I would say like niche down and I'm, I'm kind of learning the same thing too. Would you recommend um, running ads against that content too, if you're looking to grow that, or would you just focus on hitting it hard in the DMS on Instagram and Twitter and, and biz deving with people? You mean running ads uh, to acquire audience? Yeah. 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 Look, do whatever it takes, whatever you can comfortably afford to spend, spend. Right now, I, I do believe that voice, we have so far to go. This will become the dominant platform. It feels like we're way late on podcasts and you're like, my God, is it too late to even have an anchor? No, just, just go for it. We have, we have another 10 years to go in this medium. And guess what? All the video people are going to have to shift over to audio because it's so much easier to create content and consume content. We're all on the go and we're all going to have an AirPod in our ear. Yeah. So keep producing content, spend as much money as you can, have one-on-one -on -one conversations and go crazy. And just, especially if you're young, if, if this guy was 72 years old, I'd be like, well, maybe let's figure out a different solution. But if you're young, like, man, every dollar you spend in this is going to be returned to you times 10. He says he's a, uh, a teacher uh, and he's thinking about uh, practicing mindfulness maybe and sharing my internal conversations with students. Um, hey, my sister is a teacher and she I've been trying to get her to start putting out content. Uh, one thing, just a point of advice I'd be thinking about is if the school has rules about those things that you can share about students. So I'd be thinking carefully about that. But I don't, I don't know if anyone in the space, I can't think of anyone that's like, a teacher that's vlogging, you know, a teacher that's vlogging, a teacher that's putting out a podcast. So that's what I would be thinking about. Uh, dude, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it, are, if we're, are we talking about mindfulness, like meditation? Um, yeah. He said practicing mindness, but I think he's trying to say mindfulness. Um, he's been doing much more live streaming and live interviews with people recently. Yeah, look, the meditation space, like it's it while it's extremely crowded, um, I actually know a lot about this space. I've worked with a number of meditation companies over the last 10 years. There's still so much room to go, and you just have to find your spin on it. I have a good friend who does meditation for lawyers, and he kills it. And he and uh his community loves him because he talks about this specifically meditation for lawyers, not for doctors, not for professionals, specifically for lawyers. And uh, he does extremely well. Yeah. So again, it just to kind of reiterate what he's saying, niche down, you know, um, he's talking about mindfulness. Yeah. So I would, I would niche down and talk about that very specifically. And I, I'm sure you're going to find an audience for that. So if someone is trying to, thinking about they're on the edge of, of putting out a podcast or doing X or doing Y, what's your piece of advice? Uh, my advice is to just go for it, man. I mean, you're, it, you might look stupid and your husband or wife might leave you, but probably not. Probably not. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, it, you know what? People appreciate the effort and you'll be shocked. There are so many positive people out here in the world. I've had, I'm guessing I've had probably three trolls in 90. Have you had trolls yet, Seth, out of curiosity? Um, no, except on a couple of technical videos about security. They were trying to like, oh, you're wrong. And I'm like, okay, I'm maybe wrong. Like, and I would try to have a discussion with them, but they wouldn't be open to that. I don't know. Do you have trolls? Yeah. Well, I had, I've had maybe two or three trolls. And okay. uh, you know what? I think uh, one guy like told me that I had like, um, donkey teeth and that I was bald. And I was like, man, do you think I don't know these things? Um, of course I know these things. And I think that, uh, my experience with, with haters and trolls is one, just basically largely ignore them. But if you do respond to them, if you can acknowledge what they're saying, it's amazing how, how quickly you can turn them into fans. Yeah. 
Um, and so I've had just an incredible experience with people. I've tried to be very giving, especially with people that are on the fence with what I'm doing. And it just it turns into a fantastic conversation. Some of your best uh, number one people in life are going to be those people that like you have those those more difficult conversations with. So as we're kind of wrapping up here, we're kind of reaching almost the hour mark here, unless anyone has uh, any questions uh, right before we start kind of wrapping up. Um, actually, yeah, real quick. He says, Gary V says he thinks the voice applications are the next big land grab. Um, he's talked about crushing it. I've been thinking about creating a voice app this summer for Alexa Google. I would say do it. I mean, there's lots of apps that can help you do that. Unless you're technical, then I look into something like Jovo, uh, but that's my piece of advice. But yeah, yeah, um, as people are like, so as we're kind of wrapping this up, like, you know, you're, you're working really hard on the voice entrepreneur, where can people find you? Um, what do you, what are you looking for to do? Um, and where can people like find you for what you're working on? Yeah. So if you vibed with what I was talking about today, you liked what we were talking about, you can listen to my daily podcast. It's called Voice Entrepreneur. It's found on iTunes and Stitcher and you know everywhere where you can find podcasts. Uh, you can also join our Voice Entrepreneur Facebook group. Uh, just search for Voice Entrepreneur on Facebook. And uh, yeah, I, I'm also, you can just email me, bsmith at gmail.com if, if you, if you want to chat. Like you said, I try to talk to at least 100 people a day, if at all possible. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for the time, Seth. I feel like you're doing incredible stuff. Thanks. You're like, yeah, I mean, it's been fun talking with you back and forth on Twitter from the beginning anyway. But now that I see what you're doing, what you're like, the sky's the limit. And I know your audience is really, uh, I can tell they love what you're doing. So keep it up, man. It's, it's incredible to see. Thanks. I just want to thank you again for coming on. I, I thanks, uh, thanks for your time. I think we've had a really good conversation here. Um, guys. Yeah. So I have some of the links. I'll put those in the description to his stuff. I have a link to Ben Smith TV, um, his website where he has some blog posts as well. Correct. I do. I do. Yes. Um, and then his Facebook group, as well as a direct link to his Amazon flash briefing skill. So if you guys want to get involved in that community, I would encourage you guys to do that. I'll probably put a link up to your Twitter um, as well. So um, yeah, thanks again for coming on. And guys, uh, we have another founder series interview coming up this Sunday. So I'll be putting out an event towards that. So I will- You were on, on a roll, Seth. I love it, man. I yeah. love it. So uh, hey, I will see you guys uh, this upcoming Sunday. Um, unless I do one in between earlier of that. So, hey, I'll see you, Ben. All right, Seth. Talk to you later. See you guys. All right.